Hello again, wrestling fans. It is Thursday night, and we are back on our regular night. It is Scumbags Wrestling Podcast, episode number 136, I believe it is, uh, tonight. And uh, yeah, we were going a little bit early so we could uh, talk about the best of uh, 2020. We're going to uh, get into what happened last week uh, after our show went off the air, which was the Brody Lee tribute uh, show from AEW. And we're going to talk about a little bit of news, and then we'll dive into the best of 2020. Uh, we we're hoping to get a few more guests on tonight uh, to be a part of it uh, from the Ontario Indie Wrestling Podcast Network. Unfortunately, life happens. It's how it goes. Uh, but we do have uh, three of us here tonight to talk about everything that I discussed. And I'm happy you're here, whether you're watching on Twitter or sorry, Twitch. YouTube, or Facebook, and to, to get into our topics, we need to have people with us. So first, from Toronto, Stephen O'Neill. How are you, Stephen? Good. How are you? Uh, doing well. I uh, work today, and uh, yeah, the whole fun stuff of dogs and wives and getting ready for this show and all. Managed to work out in time for 7 o'clock. Uh, so we're yeah, doing this. And uh, to complete our panel is CWN's Chris Maloney from right here in London. How are you, Chris? It's uh, it's kind of uh, interesting you put uh, the dog before the wife. Absolutely no comment. <laughs> what was that? I said it, it was uh, kind of interesting that you put the uh, the dog before the wife. Well, she had already gotten in the house. I came in, and the dog instantly attacked. So, you know, he's got to go first because he uh, needs to go to the washroom because I've been at work all day, both of us had been. So, you know, I can deal with the wife afterwards, but my floor, <laughs> that's a different subject. Deal with the wife. I, okay. <laughs> can, we send <laughs> can we just copy that and just send that part to her? Yeah, she knows. It's all good. So, anyways, how are you guys? Uh, so, you're going to end up in the doghouse today is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah pretty much. <laughs> uh, it happens. No big whoop. Um, well, I'll, I'll tell you this. I'm, I'm married to a teacher. And uh, between remote learning to the announcements today, um, it's it's been very interesting personally. So She's working from home. So, you know, you go home and you see her instantly. So, that's a good thing. Yeah, but it's it's kind of weird when I, when I am home to see that different side of her that I'd never would have expected to ever see. Uh, you know how she relates to the kids and stuff like that. But uh, she's very loud. She's a lot louder than me on the mic. I tell you that. How are you guys at the uh, hardware store? Because it's just curbside, right? Everything is curbside right now. So. Oh, that must I, be fun running around. No, until they say otherwise. I'm basically I'm an Amazon robot. Is is the uh, the technical term for me right now? Pretty much, I mean, yeah. It's probably for the best. And then the best. What the hell is that supposed to mean? Well, we we see your great customer service. Well, piss off. <laughs> oh, it's start. We haven't. I haven't seen you in a while, so I have to grind those gears. Get as much as you can. Why not? Sean, do you want to do you want to get started before we end up hijacking the show again? Yeah, we are. What? And then I lost a picture. Oh, well. Anyways, oh, there it is. Uh, anyways, we are going to jump into uh, wrestling. 
Last week when we got out of here, it was just uh, before AEW's uh, tribute to Brody Lee. Um, definitely not a show want to sit back and criticize like we normally would on a regular AEW uh, show and go be able to nitpick. Uh, so because it's also totally different than any other show, it reminded me a whole lot of the Owen show or um, Eddie Guerrero where when WWE did it, they uh, paid tribute to uh, both of those superstars, and some of them had matches, some of them didn't. They were, It was a different feel, plus you had the testimonials, and I think AEW did a wonderful job and uh, had a great uh, interaction using Brody Jr., and letting the kid live his moment and you know, grieve for his dad at the same time. Like It was quite a thing for him. Um, Steven, your thoughts? Uh, I cried. Uh, I mean, it. Uh, well, I can't criticize it. Even, even if you wanted to, you just can't. It was a very good show. Um, I mean, the tributes were there, which expected a few more, but it, uh, it obviously, if people couldn't get through filming them. Another thing we talked about last week was was WWE holding off their tribute until after AEW, which they did. And it came out that uh, Amanda Brody Lee's wife asked the WWE to hold off until after AEW. So that kind of makes sense why on the Raw they didn't do the big tribute. Um, I mean, they let the eight-year his son Brody Jr. negative one live out some fantasy, and then on Dark this week, he's taller than Marco Stunt. <laughs> oh, which I saw that, and it kind of made me laugh, and then it made me sad that Marco Stunt's on AEW and getting insulted by an eight-year-old. Yeah, and then he made fun of Luther at the end, and I started laughing. That, you know what the ball in your head makes you look stupid. And I, that that made me laugh. Um, but yeah, I mean, they couldn't. I don't think they could have done anything else. The yeah, uh, was, and even having Eric Redbeard, or uh, you know, as Jericho did point out, it's Eric Rowan uh, there. Um, and holding up the sign and uh, making the tribute. Anna Jay with uh, just barely able to make it through her match with uh, Ty Conti. Yeah, really good. Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts? Uh, it was, like you said, it was like Owen and uh, and Guerrero all, all over again. Uh, except uh, in, in this case, it was, uh, to me, a lot more classy. Uh, simply because of the fact it was a different style than WWE. It was Tony Khan and AEW. Um, when it came down to it, it was nice to see Amanda as well as Minus One. And then I think the other kid's name is Rhino or something like that. No, they, Rhino. Yeah, they, they were part of the show as well. I mean, it was, I cried probably about 20 times during the night. Um, as soon as the show started to air and they did the tribute and then Cole Cabana got in the ring, it's like, holy crap, you know, it's like that's the moment number one, so to speak. And then I marked it at one point. Rowan came out. I was like, holy crap, you know. I was like, you know, this is this is absolutely cool because they're playing into it. And then all of a sudden you see who's a John Silver uh down in the ring, you know, and, and Rowan had to pick him up. 
uh, all the way through to the end where where Cody did the uh, tribute to uh, negative one there. But it was um, it was emotional. I give props to WWE uh, for what they did. You know, waiting uh, a lot of fans on the internet, including myself. On I think last Monday, were kind of upset. But then when, the more you thought about it, it's kind of like they they were classy and they respected AEW's and Amanda's wishes. And then from there, uh, WWE did their thing. I think they got two videos online right now. One's 11 minutes long. It's got, I think, Xavier Woods and then I think Big E and Sami Zayn and, and people like that. There's but, a, uh, one with Nina in it, um, I believe. And yeah. I think and they're, they're putting doing a network show. Yeah, yeah. that's what I was going to say. They're doing a network show dedicated to Brody with all of matches and never before seen footage and independent matches too that they have so yeah and then the the other two things i just want to mention is uh, amanda huber went on twitter or instagram one of the two and she said this isn't the time where wrestling fans should be fighting uh you know it's all one big wrestling community and and just enjoy it as you can and then the other thing i think i saw yesterday was i think minus one negative one was in the ring with tyson kidd and Liv Morgan, and he was kind of battling out there. So it's it's nice to see AW tribute the way that they did, but see her close associated still with the WWE. So uh, they couldn't have done a better job as far as the show went. Yeah, it's uh, really nice uh, that way. And then giving uh, Negative One the uh, championship. And unfortunately, there's another dirt bag or douchebag that we need to uh, shun from this show. Uh, not only... Uh, Bruce Mitchell, uh, when everything that he did with the torch, but now Disco Inferno uh, decided to chime in as well and agree with Bruce Mitchell and feel that uh, he's somehow privileged and needs to know more than anybody else why this happened. And it's just like, Disco, you're a jobber. Go away and mind your own damn business. I have that on the my... Uh, YouTube playlist, I haven't listened to it with Conan because I thought they were going to bash Bruce Mitchell and then so that tells me I better not listen to it because I'll throw my phone. Cool. Did anyone, did you I know you guys know that I'm a Jim Cornette Mark. I know I sent it, did I send it to you Sean, what he said about the Brody Lee tribute show? Uh, I don't think you sent it to me but I did uh, listen to that episode and you know, and somebody even commented uh, about that, that even if uh, somebody like Jim Cornette, who is known for his controversy and trying to nitpick things and uh, the way he's outspoken about AEW and everything, if he's willing to be nice and normal and human, shouldn't the rest of us be willing to do that? Well, and he said that he never had any issues with Brody's work. It was how he was presented. By AEW, but he even then discussing the tribute show didn't bash AEW. No, he basically it's said, "It's one of those family bash. Okay, you're on a delay, Sean. Bad. Um, and then um, this week's drive-through, he addressed Bruce Mitchell's article, and I don't know if you've listened to. The podcast, but he rips him to shreds for about 30, 35 minutes. Basically calls him a weasel, calls him a piece of shit, I think at least 20 or 30 times. And then he the, uh, he also called out Brian. Is it Brian Alvarez who is PW Torch? No, uh, Wade Keller. Yeah, he calls out Wade Keller to be like, 
Oh, you didn't read his article? You just gave him editorial whatever to post it? Fuck See, you, you didn't. To me, that's hit and miss. If you've got if you got somebody who's been working with you for about 30 plus years, say for example, you guys, you know what I mean? And and Sean asked you to host the show, even though it's it's I mean, you guys have been doing this for probably what a year? I think almost a year, whatever the case may be. I think we've yeah. been, yeah. Sean would still have enough trust in you to say, um, you know, Stephen, take over scumbags tonight. I'm busy, whatever the case may be, and have enough trust in that. And and, and you're talking after a year, and you've got Wade Keller and and Bruce Mitchell alongside Dave Meltzer and, and those guys there who have been around since the '80s. And Mitchell, for Wade Keller to trust Mitchell the way he did, I would have done the same thing. But again, with Wade Keller the way he, what he, what the way he handled it, I would have done the same thing as well. And I would have done it more quickly than he had done it. You know, he Bruce Mitchell deserved to have his as his ass handed to him. Uh, but Wade Keller, um, I mean, after thirty years, it'd be a tough decision no matter what. You know, so. I think but I feel like. With being, really yeah, you're really delayed. With the um, with it being, I get it, having 30 years of trust, but with it being an article on the Brody Lee issue, I feel like he probably should have even a quick call. Hey, just quick, brief, briefly tell me what it's about. Unless, unless on the other side of things, Mitchell knew he was going to piss off a lot of people and just. You know, and, that, and that's why he didn't touch base with Wade. There's you could you could know. Many you know so many different ways, right? I was just, I was like, uh, I don't. I just think that's a piece of shit move, and he's he's done. And well, what's even, so? What's even worse than what Mitchell did? was the fact is you hear, you hear all this stuff about doubling down and tripling down and everything else. He wouldn't apologize. He he left the article out there. He said he stood by the article and then basically poured his reputation with the torch on the line and said, I'm not backing down from this. And, and you know, that to me is worse than the article itself. And I think that's why they tried to at least not to, I mean, not fire him immediately because they wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt after all the years of being there. But then when he doubled down as much as he did and refused and that that's they had no other reason to say goodbye, get lost. Yeah, I can tell you like I can tell you on a personal level, Wade Keller's probably one of the most easiest guys to deal with in the business. Um, you know, he he doesn't have his head up his ass. He, he's not an egomaniac, so to speak. But um, I mean, for him to do what he did as far as Mitchell goes, like I commend him hundred percent. So yeah, so uh, that's pretty much uh, what's going on with uh, the whole AEW and uh, the Brody Lee tribute. I think, as I said, they did a great job, and people need to respect Amanda and the family and not pick sides and bash each other. Uh, but, yeah, so that's what's going on on that front. Looking at uh, some news. Um, get that one. I Sonny have results here. Oh, okay, go for it. Okay, so let's start with AEW. We're gonna oh, we're gonna do these in rank of shows one to 
three, three not being the greatest. So we're going to start at the bottom here. Uh, last night, you had Mac, the Road Warrior Bucks, uh, Christopher Daniel, and uh, Frankie Kazarian versus Mac Caster, Anthony Bowens, and Helico and Jack Evans in an eight man tag. Uh, the Young Bucks. Um, an SE went over in about 10 minutes. And then at the end of the match, they, um, Kazarian and Daniels, I don't know when they're going to be challenging for the tag titles, but they basically threw down a tag title um, opportunity. Uh, then Moxley came out and delivered what I think is probably his best promo to date in AEW. Uh, funniest line is um, Moxley said, "What do you do with what do you do with Kenny Omega and the guy who looks like a used car salesman, Don Callis?" That was made me pop, and I laughed. Uh, Dasha interviewed Chuck Taylor and Pockets, and then Miro and Kip Sabian came up and made some sort of match for next week. I have no idea what Miro was even wearing. I was like, did he get hit by some grandma's uh, uh, table, old tablecloth? It looked like some palm tree tracksuit that probably cost him $5,000, like his Mickey Mouse pajamas on his debut. Yeah, but I, I was, even as a gay man, I was like, what the sweet mother Jesus is he wearing? Probably the my match of the, the night. Wardlow versus Jake Hager was hard-hitting. Both looked impressive. Wardlow defeated Hager in about 10 minutes um, with the F10, which looked impressive. Private Party um, was at a table backstage. Snoop Dogg showed up, which made me pop because they were like, I got the gin, and he showed up with the juice, and if you're a Snoop Dogg fan, it's a song, Gin and Juice. I liked it. Uh, Matt yeah, Hardy. Then they, uh, they, it could have been maybe reversed on that whole thing. Uh, Matt Hardy could have had them sign the contracts and then celebrate needing the Gin and Juice. Instead of yeah. Snoop standing around going, huh? Yeah, I know. Um, then they had a, Matt Hardy had him sign a contract. He poked fun at um, WWE about Cameo and Twitch. Uh, Team Taz came out for the weigh-in with Darby Allen in the new title, which actually looks the TNT title actually looks like a title belt now and not something ugly. There's a hundred pound weight difference. Cage weighed in at 270. Allen weighed in at 170, and that's when I when Shivani noted that there was a hundred pound weight difference, I had to turn the channel because Shivani sounded like an idiot. Um, Sting came out. Uh, I didn't really. He pointed at Allen with his bat, and then they left the ring. I was really confused. Um, MJF then cut a pretty good promo with Jake Hager. You can actually see where I think they're going, having the inner circle eventually turn on Jericho and side with MJF. Um, then they aired highlights from AEW Dark with negative uh, one making fun of uh, Marco's stunt, which made me laugh, um, which then set up for next week, the Jurassic Express, but 
it's Marco Stunt and Jungle Boy versus Dax and Cash with Tully. I assume that it's Marco Stunt's going to die. Um, Cody beat. Yeah, well, that's what we're all hoping. Cody beat Matt Seidel. It was not a bad match until they had Snoop Dogg climb the top rope and deliver. I'm not even sure what that was. I know it, they it, were he like landed on his feet and then flopped. Yeah, I, I, it was, the internet's officially calling it the tadpole splash. They really should have just not had him do that. That was probably not the best idea. Um, Sheeta beat Abaddon to retain the um, AEW women's title. I do not agree with that. Eight and a half minutes. I they they just killed the character Abaddon. I I don't I don't get it. Why would you just kill him? Kill that character off right away. Yeah, I'm a fan um, of Shida, and even I thought that Abaddon should have come out and destroyed her and at least be something dominant. And like you said, they destroyed her. Back to dark. Well, and, at, and at the end of the match, I expected something like an Undertaker sit up or once uh, she'd exited the ring or something, but nothing. So I assume that Abaddon's going away. Bye-byes forever. I don't really – where do you go with her? I don't really know at this point. I don't really know where they go with their AEW women's division, but that's for later. Um, Dar- so then they – all the matches for next week. Um, Darby Allen versus Brian Cage for the uh, TNT title is the main event. Miro versus uh, Flubby. Uh, and I'm reading the Taylor must become Miro's young boy. So basically a bitch. So you already can see where this is going. It's until the wedding or something. I don't really care. Serena Deeps versus um, Ty Conti for the NWA Women's Championship. Okay. Uh, the Elite, this was everyone. When they said Elite was in action next week, I was like, that's interesting. It makes sense at the end of the show. Marco Stunt and Jungle Boy versus FTR. And Pac versus Ed, uh, Eddie Kingston. And Jericho said the inner circle would offer their New Year's resolutions. Plus, Cody's going to be a guest on Britt Baker's uh, waiting room talk show. Yeah, I think that's all recording tonight. I would, I think so, because normally it's one week on, one week off. So I'm assuming that they're recording tonight. Um, Ty Conti then had a promo. Uh, she was with Anna J. Alex Reynolds, John Silver, and she and then she said she wasn't coming alone. She'd be with the Dark Order. So I assume Ty Conti's with the Dark Order. And then Justin Roberts. Not sure how you guys feel about him as a ring announcer, but I would rather listen on mute. That Kenny Omega introduction was enough to make me want to jump out my window. Uh, the main event time was Kenny Omega versus Ray Phoenix. I thought that was actually... Pretty good match. If the Wardlow match wasn't on, Wardlow versus Jake Hager, I'd say this would be the match of the night. This is just, to me, just a little below it. Um, uh, Omega beat uh, Ray Phoenix in about 18 minutes to retain the AEW World Championship. 
which we all knew that was going to happen. Uh, after the match, uh, Omega and Callis are in the ring and mentioned the music to be cut. Um, Butcher and Blade were holding Pac and Penta on the big screen. Um, Omega, uh, Moxie came out with a baseball bat wrapped in barbed wire, hit Omega in the gut. Uh, Doc Gallows and Carl uh, Anderson came out wearing their the Impact World Tag Team titles. Tack Moxley hit him with the Magic Killer, which looked not bad. And then uh, Omega beat the crap out of Moxley with this barbed wire bat. Then Pillman and Garrison, I don't remember what their names are. Is it the Varsity Blondes? I think they were going by. Came in. They got beaten up. A whole bunch of other people tried to come in. uh, Got beaten up. Ross said this is a hostile takeover. It wasn't really quite the timing uh, for that uh, line, considering what's going on in the states. Yeah, that way <laughs> probably wasn't the best wording. Um, Anderson and Gallows whole uh, the Young Bucks then came out to calm everything down. Uh, Gallows and Anderson are holding uh, Moxley to the ropes. I want to say it was either uh, Pillman or Garrison. Um, grabbed Omega and then there was a super kick and now the band, I guess they're going to call themselves is back together. They ended the, with a two sweet. And then just that shortly after the one off the air, there was the photo with all five of them wearing their uh, belts, the AW tag team champions, uh, the young bucks, Omega with the AW world title. And then uh, the Good Brothers with the, um, I don't know. The, yeah, no one cares. Um, and then last night, I watched it this morning. Uh, it was MLW's Coliseum, uh, Kings of Coliseum. Normally, it would be a pay-per-view, one of their few that they do. Um, it was actually... A pretty good show is free on YouTube. Um, Texas Shenado, the Von Erics, Ross and Marshall beat the uh, Dirty Blondes. Um, it was a wild fight. It's actually pretty good. Um, nothing very exciting. Uh, then uh, middleweight champion uh, Mylon. Ru- Myron Reed with uh, Jordan Oliver. They were known as Injustice. Take took on Leo Rush. Leo Rush won. And then at the end, they were uh, in the back. They did a post match talking to uh, with um, the hell's her name, uh, Selena Del Rente. She's running the um, program next week. Los Parks have rejoined uh, Prom. I can't say this ever. Her her group with Mel Muertes taking on the Von Erics for the tag team titles. Um, Mylon Reed then gets beaten up by the Contra unit. Jacob Fatu, Simon Gotch, and their new soldier Davari. Um, national Openweight title, which would be their Intercontinental title equivalent. Uh, Alexander Hammerstone versus Matt Kruger ended basically in a no contest. 
um, because they beat the crap out of each other and it's actually a really good match. Then what I would say the best show of the night was NXT. Damian Priest versus Karrion Cross with Scarlett. Another really good match. Big um, big man match, but was was good. Uh, Karrion Cross wins um, with the Doomsday Saito before hitting a, a forearm shiver to the back of the neck for the win. I assume that Damian Priest is going to go up to the main roster. Yeah, I've heard uh, that rumor. He was supposed to be there last week, but they cha- Kevin Owens was like, no, this is not a thing how it's going to work. Then they talked about um, the NXT Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. Um, uh, Undisputed Air, which is Adam Cole and Roderick Stronger in it. Um, Brazango, Grizzled Young Veterans. I'll go through all the list. I think I have them after. Uh, then Grand Metalik with Lance Doretto lost to Santos Escobar for the um, cruiserweight NXT cruiserweight title. Real Ripley show warming up backstage getting ready for the uh, last woman standing match. Uh, Zia Lee is back with Boa. Uh, she kicked the shit out of some girl. Uh, there was supposed to be a f- another pit match, but Thatcher, in storyline at least, it seems like hurt himself. Um, last woman standing match was probably the match of the night. I don't know if anyone watched it yet. Did you guys watch? I thought it was match of the night. Rumor has Ripley's going up as well, eh? Which makes sense. She has nothing else to do, and I would have held off until Rumble have her win it, but uh, Raquel Gonzalez won, which makes sense. I was surprised, but now it makes a lot more sense because that means uh, Rhea Ripley can move up. The way came. They're in the... um, Best Road Classic. We had a mixed tag match, which I skipped because it was Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae versus uh, Shotzi Blackheart and Kushida. And I had better things to do, like anything. Uh, but Kushida and uh, Shotzi won. Uh, there's an NXT TakeOver February 14th, which interesting that they picked that day. Um... And uh, this was interesting. Uh, General Manager William Regal announced soon they'll have they'll have a women's Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. Don't know how I feel about that because I don't know if there's enough. But that's yeah, fine. AEW even had a hard time filling out their women's tag uh, tournament that they did only on YouTube. Well, the thing is, is WWE has all the main roster women, so you could. But it depends on what they're going to do. Then Kyle O'Reilly versus Finn Balor, which was a hell of a match. It was amazing. Um, Finn Balor retained. Um, I really enjoyed it. Now I have the ratings. It doesn't 
when I first looked at them, I was very surprised, but then I had to remember what actually was going down yesterday. Uh, New Year's Smash Night 1 of Dynamite drew six, six, 662,000 viewers, down 32% from last week. Again, that was going against the Brody Lee Celebration of Life. And then New Year's Evil of NXT drew 641, up 9.5%. That surprised me a little bit because of, well, the Americans were having Anarchy. a nervous breakdown, I guess I'm going to call it. Um, so I was a little surprised those numbers were both high. That high, but good for both of them. It'd be interesting to see what the replays and the recordings and all that would be, but yeah, probably a lot of people recording and uh, getting that. I'm just going to check and see what uh, comments are coming. Jay Smith. Uh, oh, we saw Chad Patterson uh, earlier. Jay Smith is happy new year's fellas. Thanks for your support. The wrestling. I appreciate all you do. Hey, I'm going to say this. Uh, happy new year, Jay. But uh, I don't appreciate your taste in hockey, I'll tell you that much. And we had an earlier uh, posting from Aaron Sisson wishing us a Happy New Year, and that's from Chem Valley Wrestling in Sarnia. Happy so New Year, Aaron. Year. Who does Jay cheer for? Detroit. Okay, well, better than the, or the Leaves. There's a red hat there for you, Jay. It's got an O on it. They're going to kick ass <laughs> yeah. this year. Well, uh, how about you other... pick a real team? Huh? How about you pick a real team? Oh, don't get started. NHL's about to start. I'm hyped. I know. Except my team won't be able to beat up your team, so it doesn't matter. What do you mean? Well, who's, who's your team? Bruins. Oh. <laughs> Maybe in the playoffs. So, we'll have to wait and see. Well, Ontario, side note, Ontario just approved, which confuses the shit out of me on a lot of things. Confuse me. Uh, Toronto and Ottawa can play in their home ranks this year. Yeah, they've got some kind of um, uh, quick testing or something like that they announced. But uh, I, fuck. It, it, it will be interesting. It, it's either going to be great hockey or boring hockey. I tell you that. Seven Canadian teams going at it. So, yeah, Jay, well, you're, you're, you should have given up hockey in the 90s when they were still good. I tell you that much. Oh, when was the last time you saw your team win the Stanley Cup? Piss off. Don't you miss this being on and with us on Thursdays? That's with why I don't follow any specific NHL team because I'm a London Knights fan and I get to watch them graduate and like any of them. Dude, and you're also a freaking Raiders fan for football. That says enough right there. Yeah. Hey, we were 500 team. Really bad uh, defense. Uh, look, oh, at I, I got I to ask you some. What's your next topic? Uh, well, we're just going to quickly run through the news and then look at uh, Wrestle Kingdom 15. Because I've got a I've got a highlight. I just read with regards to uh, who was named number one for Sports Illustrated top ten wrestlers this year. Yeah, oh go for God. it. You want to hear it? It's yeah, let's be hear controversial. That. So, Sports Illustrated top ten wrestlers of the year. Uh, Are you going to go 10 to 1? Yeah, I'm going to go 10 to 1. Uh, so this is all promotions, by the way. So number 10, Eddie Kingston. Number 9, Roman Reigns. Number 8, Kota Ibushi. 
Number seven is Io Shirai. Six is Bailey. Five, Kenny Omega. Four is Tetsuya Naito. Uh, three is Drew McIntyre. Two is John Moxley. And ranked number one this year for Sports Illustrated is Sasha Banks. Very interesting. Yeah, I know. Wow. Uh, wow. Okay. Well, I'm a Sasha Banks fan, but. It's it's not a bad list. It could have been worse. No, that's but, not. Yeah, how but to see her right. that high and see Roman that low, it's. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I don't know. Roman, Drew McIntyre should be number one. Yeah, but I mean, if it's Justin Barrasso doing the rankings, I'd like to know where he got them from. And Kenny Omega wasn't uh, number one, so I knew Stephen was going to be happy. <laughs> no, I thought I. Well, it is 2020, so probably he's ranked about where he should have been. You got to wait for 2021 to see uh, a decent Kenny Omega ranking because he's been just shit since. Uh, well, we did talk up, before up we got until, on the up, air. Up until the, this heel turn. Well, we were talking before we went live, and I said I'm I'm excited to see where this goes. I hope. So he wants to get rid of shaking of his hands every time he goes to a move. Oh, you mean jazz, jazz hands? If you listen to Jim Cornette, he calls them jazz hands because that's what he does. He does jazz hands and twinkle toes. I know he's about to. Oh, I'm going to do a move. And oh, so maybe maybe he's a fan of the Flintstones or something. Leave the guy alone. Uh, so AEW is going to be moving to Miami for a month uh, due to uh, low morale and also uh, temperature uh, going on in Jackson, Florida. You know, trying to get uh, do matches when you're uh, almost at like five degrees, at least on our uh, centigrade scale, uh, probably isn't the best thing in being outdoors. Uh, so thankfully nobody else has gotten really sick, uh, working in that sort of condition, but I guess they're going to do at least five episodes of, uh, dynamite there plus, uh, their pay-per-view, uh, revolution. And one of the episodes is going to be uh, beach, uh, break. So that's going to happen before they go back to Jacksonville and Daly's place. So at least, uh, five shows happening, uh, in Miami coming up, uh, next month. Um, it would be interesting. Hold on. It'd be interesting to see if WWE, any of these wrestling companies are prepared to, if they can do shows with fans, like more than a few, like a thousand, if any of them are prepared to have, they've been reaching out to arenas around the U S or even into Canada, if they can do traveling. Because at some point, they're going to have to travel. No, Vince is biting at the bullet to try and do that. Well, I mean, spring training for baseball starts in five weeks. The season normally would start April-ish, end of March, early April. So they're going to be out of Tropicana by, I'm assuming, mid-March. So then where do they go? Yeah, I haven't heard where uh, their next move is uh, going to be. They have to find something a little more permanent. Moving on, though, uh, Mick Foley uh, tweeted uh, out to Vince McMahon wanting to remove Donald Trump from their Hall of Fame. Uh, Obviously, Vince is close friends with Donald, and Donald's just lost his mind. So who knows if uh, that will be looked into because while well, we got rid of they got rid of Hogan for comments he made 
who's to say uh, people won't uh, push more for Donald to get removed? The Rocks oh, Film Company. The Rocks Film Company is looking to do a biopic for Roddy Roddy Piper. Hogan says that younger superstars are not very welcoming to him. Shocking, uh, and he thinks that they think that uh, he's trying to take their spot. Meanwhile, he's like, "I'm old. What are you gonna do?" Well, he is taking their spot because he's doing the same stick with Drew McIntyre this past Monday, and. You know, speaking of that Monday, look at all the uh, legends that they uh, brought in, or so-called leg legends, and how they were used. What were your thoughts on the lack of use of these uh, legends? And even Carlito, who was booked, but not booked, uh, not fully. So that's why you no-showed. Your thoughts on Monday with the uh, legends night? Still waiting to see that uh, Undertaker match. I tell you that. Teddy Teddy Long stole the show. I don't know how old he's. I think he's in his seventies, but to me, he he was the highlight of the show. Screw Hogan and Flair, but uh, Teddy Long. Yeah, like uh, Teddy Long actually got used for what he is supposed to be used for. And you look at uh, the others; they either got humiliated by Randy Orton, but then that blame got put on Drew McIntyre. Uh, Goldberg coming out late uh, because the uh, McIntyre uh, uh, Keith Lee match went long and uh, McIntyre didn't even get to do his promo, which might have turned him heel and saying stuff bad about the uh, legends that were watching, but all that got missed. So we got Goldberg claiming he was mean to legends and he hadn't even said anything. He was doing the Hogan stuff when that was all friendly and yeah you get melina showing up and just doing the lucha lucha stuff out they should make them worthwhile because you got these legends coming that are not creating any heat for uh, baby faces and not uh getting any retribution against the heels who go against them like i don't know steven um i was washing my hair I haven't watched Raw or SmackDown in, I don't even know. I'll see bits and pieces on YouTube or if I read a, like the results and I'm interested. I watched the Drew McIntyre-Keith Lee match on like after and it was good. It wasn't what I thought it could have been. But I have, yeah, I'm not, I don't really watch smackdown or raw because i would much rather i have fight network so i get on mondays roh classics so i watched roh classics i would rather wash my hair i would um there's floor flooring that i need to clean i don't know there's a hundred other things that i'd rather plus to watch put that out uh, on youtube and everything later on to watch later so not even that i I could care less if they put it out or they didn't, but I would much rather do anything else. Oh, did you know they're putting out a SmackDown WWE 2K20 SmackDown 20th Anniversary Edition? No. Or that's already come out. Never mind. It no. came out. I'm, well, you guys were talking about um, WWE. I zoned out, so I was looking at sports games for my PlayStation 4 because... No. 
they're that's more interesting than WWE. Hey, hey Sean, okay. you want you want to hear something interesting though? Sure. So when you look at raw ratings, for example, um, this past Monday, two million one hundred ninety-seven thousand for hour one. Uh, two million one hundred fifty thousand for hour two. Two million thirty-six thousand for hour three. With all these legends, they did absolutely nothing with. If you go through the ratings to try to find out when the last time they did a two million uh, viewpoint was, you go all the way back to the first Amway Center event. So out of the Performance Center, which was August twenty-fourth of last year. So it took them what three, four, five months to be able to score a two million rating again. And I, I mean, it's it, it, you guys have probably heard this, but the moment Vince McMahon feels he needs to basically pull a rabbit out of the hat, that's when all of a sudden the legends hit the airwaves. And the problem is, if Raw had, say, like 1 million, 3, 1 million, 400,000 people, it'd be a different story. He'd stop doing what he's doing. But all of a sudden he pulls in these legends and they get a rating that's just as good as it was back in August, you know? So it's, uh, it's, it's nature of the beast, I guess. Yeah, I have Can no, you talk I about have WWE? I'll be right back. I have no problem with them bringing in a uh, Legends and doing uh, a Legends night, but I want them to actually make it worthwhile. Like all these guys, people were being berated by Randy Orton, and they just hung their head. Big Show, Mark Henry, and everything, and they get no revenge. Like, and. There's no heel doing anything dastardly to get a face to uh, beat them up and get over. Like, they're just there. Why was Tatanka dressed in his ring gear and headdress talking to Sergeant Slaughter and Mickey James, who looked like she just came off some sort of runway uh, fashion show? And you got Sergeant and his fatigues. All three of them had nothing in common to be tied together with so your issue is is the way they were used not necessarily them being on the show exactly i have no uh, problem with them being there like make them useful because other than paying them out tatanka made probably some really good money to show up monday and just stand there in the back booker t didn't even get used jeff jarrett didn't even get used molly holly was for a couple seconds i blinked i didn't even see her until i heard a review of the show uh, from uh, post wrestling, and I was like, "Oh, she was used." Yeah, it, I mean, it, it was bad because of the way they advertised it, the way they announced it, and then all of a sudden, you see these superstars from the past. Like all of a sudden, you, when you when you go in through the um, uh, the promo, the commercial, so to speak, you see some of the faces, and the next thing you know, one of the guys that was on there that the internet was hyped about was Carlito, and then Carlito's not on the show. And he basically comes out and says, I was never booked, so I didn't go, you know? So it uh, makes WWE look bad. But um, I, I agree with you there. I agree with you about the fact that, hey, um, if you're going to bring in a legend, and you shouldn't do Legends Night. You should just be like, you know, Ric Flair Appreciation Night, whatever the case may be, and have him featured on the show. Um, but, again, it's McMahon pulling the rabbit out of the hat. It waters down too much. What, I would what, much rather if they're going to do an Appreciation Night let the legend make matches with their favorite guys. That would be acceptable, you know, and then do a talk segment or something and uh, you get a career retrospective, something like that. Like instead of throwing in uh, 14 or however many 20 legends, what's wrong with four? 
You know, you get somebody major, somebody minor, and somebody in between uh, there. And you spread it out over the three hours instead of uh, sticking. Thankfully, this time there wasn't a poker game. But, of course, you had to have Ron Simmons going, damn. Do you want to hear wow. – uh, well, do, do you want to hear what the uh, the major demo was that was watching Raw this past Monday? 50-year-olds? Yeah, 50-plus. 50-plus well, had the highest demo as far as the, uh, the uh, Nationals went. So. Well, that's – which it doesn't surprise me. Those are the people who that's what they grew up on. A lot of these guys, I would have much rather seen. I don't, I know you, Sean, listens to Jim Cornette's podcast. He was talking about the legends night when they, um, his co-host Brian last were going through all of the legends that were going to be there. He's like, you could do maybe 10, five to 10 people have two or three major, like two major, a few minor and you know see cause you they they advertise like 24 pe- legends and i was like half these people aren't legends do you guys want to guess what the uh, the, the smallest ratio was as eight, far as, as, far as demo goes to 18 to something no 12 to 34 which means they're not clicking with the youngins shocking it's too uh, raw's too long it's 3 hours and Lord knows, I three hours is not something. Once in a blue moon, when they used to have the special raws that would pop and do a three hour, but it had a purpose. Great, but on an every Monday night, I would not sit there and watch three hours of that. No. So just to finish up our uh, news before we go into uh, Wrestle Kingdom results and then the best of. Uh, Sonya Deville returned on uh, Friday Night SmackDown, which was kind of a surprise uh, since her uh, trial issues are not going to court until next month. Uh, and it's mostly going to be a video uh, trial. Uh, Mandy Rose has also uh, been subpoenaed to uh, give a statement since she was there the night that the douchebag tried breaking into her house and kidnapping her. And uh, so that's all taking place next month. And then Mick Foley is recovering from COVID-19. And for a guy who loves Christmas, sadly, he got it on like December 12th. He thinks at a uh, virtual signing and had to quarantine himself away from his family and miss his favorite holiday of all time. So hopefully he gets to somehow make it up with Santa Mick and uh, do things uh with his family now that he's uh going back home i think it'll be fine he's got a christmas room so he can celebrate 365 exactly uh so quickly uh looking at wrestle kingdom 15 uh results that happened on uh january 4th uh Tana, uh, takahashi <clears throat> defeated alpha and tasmo in singles match uh and takahashi ended up uh, challenging for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. Somebody's laughing. Me, because Chris is Chris is. Oh, did someone? Is that? Does anyone hear that? That is on Sean's end. There was there was one episode that him and Jones were doing a show and he was doing that. So now we know what the, the, the culprit is. You need to sign off and come back. Okay, Chris, you want to run down uh, Wrestle Kingdom results? Yes, I can run down Wrestle Kingdom results. There we go. See, told you. 
<laughs> yeah. No, it, it's it's interesting with. I, I just got to bring them up here. It's interesting with Sean to, uh, to for the names. It took me a while as well to bring them up, but um, uh, let me. I, I, John, I'm not uh, willing to say their first names if I don't know how to pronounce Karomo Takahashi. Sean, Sean, there's something wrong with your mic. It's making these weird noises and you're fuzzy like you're the black scorpion. Really? Do you have, Sean, do you have the ability to watch the episode live on something else right now? Uh, maybe. So leave yourself on. I'm going to bring up the New Japan results, but you'll you'll hear exactly what we're hearing on our end. It's definitely on your end because when you disappeared for a second there, it, uh, it went away. How many nights in New? Oh, see, he's gone again. I'm assuming we do both nights in New Japan. So hold on a second. Yes. I don't think he has any um interest in doing probably New Year's Dash, but I'll just bring up both results here. That's still going on. Same thing. What, did, what was it? Is that you? I video recorded it and sent it to him on Facebook. Okay, so, so he'll, he'll know at least. Yeah, because um, it shows where he's on, and it sounds like the Black Scorpion. And when he leaves, it's fine with me. Okay, hold on. I just I'll, I'll start doing the results just so he can kick back in. All right, guys. So Sean was talking about uh, New Japan for Wrestling. Uh, Wrestle Kingdom 15 took place uh, January 4th. Rest, uh, sorry, the Tokyo Dome. Uh, so they started out with New Japan Rambo, Chase Owens, Bushi, Bad Luck, Fale, and Toriano were the final four. They advanced to the show on January 5th. Um, you can go through different websites and stuff to see order, entry, elimination. Uh, but uh, first match of the main show was Hiromi Takahashi defeating El Fantasmo ELP to remain number one contender for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. Uh, from there, we go into the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Championship match. Tamatanga and Tangaloa, uh, otherwise known as the Gorillas of Destiny, defeats Taichi and Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, to win the title. So we new champions there. We've also got IWGP United States Right to Challenge Certificate Match, which is basically, for anybody who's not uh, familiar with New Japan Pro Wrestling, it's basically like WB, uh, one of the guys having the brief, uh, briefcase, putting the briefcase on the line, but uh, Kenta owns the briefcase as far as the uh, uh, United States Championship Right to Challenge goes, and he defeated Satoshi Kojima. Uh, Kojima was filling in for Juice Robinson. Uh, so basically Robinson, something to do with, I think, his arm. He injured his arm, so he was out of this. Uh, so, so Satoshi Kojima filled in at that part there. Uh, we went into intermission where they talked about New Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, getting a U.S. TV deal, as well as a, a new video game coming out for uh, gaming, uh, I think, as far as iOS and Android goes. Uh, following the intermission, Hiroshi Tanahashi defeats the Great Okan. Uh, from there, we get uh, Kazushka Okada defeating Will Ospreay with B. Priestley. Match went about 35 minutes. I was surprised on this. Huge Will Ospreay fan. I feel like they dropped the ball with the match, but we'll have to wait and see where they go. And then main event, IWGP Heavyweight and IWGP Intercontinental Championship, which is also known as the Double Championship. Uh, Kota Ibushi defeats Tetsuya Naito to win both titles. And that match, a match went 31 minutes uh, in total. Uh, interesting to see Ibushi win. Uh, very interesting. 
to see whether or not he was going to carry on into night uh, two. Uh, just basically see if he was going to <laughs> um, retain uh, against Jay White. So yeah, it's, it's definitely issues with, you can see Sean on video there, definitely issues with the audio. Uh, so I'll do night two and then we'll see if we can get Sean fixed up here. Uh, but night two took place uh, January 5th, um, 3 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for us here in North America. So uh, but uh, I mean, it's just the way it is as far as Wrestle Kingdom in, in Japan goes. It is the WrestleMania, so to speak. Uh, two pre-show matches weren't televised, were uh, stardom matches. So there was a six-woman tag team match as well as a tag team match itself. Then we go into match number one, uh, which the uh, K, uh, KOPW, so King of Pro Wrestling 2021 Championship match. And then Toriano defeats Bad Luck Fale, Bushi, and Chase Owens to basically retain to win the title again. So he was 2020 champ. He is now 2021 champ as well. Uh, second match of the night, IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Championship match. The juniors, uh, El Desperado and Yoshinobu Kanemura, who is also known as Suzuki Gun, uh, defeats Ryusuke uh, Taguchi and Master Wado uh, to retain. That was 13 minutes. Uh, never open weight championship match, which surprised me here. Uh, Shingo Tagagi defeats Jeff Cobb to retain. I figured Jeff Cobb was going to win in that one. Uh, from there, we go into intermission. Nothing really happened. Uh, from there, Sonata defeats Evil. So battle of the former tag team partners there. Uh, this will play into the main event. So that match went 23 minutes there. Uh, from there, we go into IWGP Junior Heavyweight uh, Championship match. Uh, Hiromo Takahashi defeats Taiji Ishimori to win the title. So he wins it back from Taiji. I think he lost it back in August of last year, I think uh, it was. And the main event, so IWGP Heavyweight Championship and IWGP Intercontinental Championship match, long to say, so just say the double championship. Uh, Cody Ibushi defeats Jay White with Gato to retain the titles. 48 minutes this match went. Uh, Jay White basically said in the press conference later that that's it. He's done in New Japan for wrestling. It's a gimmick thing. Uh, could also be with regards to uh, New Japan possibly going on lockdown and not being able to do their thing. Uh, so they want to get Jay White out of the country to be able to get him to stay safe. Uh, but as always with tradition, after the um, after Ibushi won, uh, the next opponent comes out, and this happens to be Sonata. So we're going to get some uh, Sonata uh, taking on Ibushi for the double championship. Another thing to note as well is in the press conference, Ibushi said he wants to unify both titles. Uh, so basically go with one championship belt, uh, obviously with the honor of New Japan. Uh, supporting him but it has been made public so we'll have to wait and see what happens there but that was new japan for wrestling wrestle kingdom 15 and i still haven't watched it all yet but uh, if you're a fan of uh, new japan for wrestling uh you know it's uh, sometimes a little bit hard to try to get familiar with the names um guys like kazuchika okada and uh hiromu takahashi <laughs> but uh it took me a while to get used to them let's see if john's audio is fixed yeah, well, let's hope uh, that's there. We go better. there. Awesome. Uh, yeah, um, thank you for that. Um, you also said about New Year's Dash that happened uh, today. Uh, you had the results for that too. Yeah, hold on. New Year's Dash took place uh, officially oh, yes, yesterday. Okay. Uh, so the way New Year's Dash works uh, for anybody who's again getting familiar with New Japan Pro Wrestling, they never announce the matches until the day of, and it's basically the fallout. Uh, simply from Wrestle Kingdom, but a lot of tag team matches, a lot of uh, basically uh, uh, six-man tag team matches, stuff like that as well. But that took place on the 6th. Uh, that was from Tokyo Dome City Hall. Uh, so basically the show opened with the announcement of tonight's lineup, which they do honorarily every single 
uh, New Year Dash. Um, so Eugene Nagata defeated Gabriel Kidd uh, in the opener there. So that's one, you know, two guys who weren't on Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, Manuel Suzuki and Duki defeats Tiger Mask and Yuyu Iomara. Uh, that was the second match of the night there. Will Ospreay, Great Okan, Jeff Cobb uh, with B-, B Priestley, otherwise known as the Empire, defeats Hiroshi Ten- Tenzon, Satoshi Kojima, and Yoda Te- uh, Yoda Tetsu. <laughs> See, I'm having trouble with that one. Uh, Tetsuji, I think I'll get that one uh, right eventually. Uh, but the the big thing at the very end of the match was uh, um, Osprey saved Cobb from a ten, uh, Tenkoji cutter while Okan and Cobb held up uh, Suji, I'm just going to call him. Uh, they have both up like this. Will Osprey jumps on the top rope, hits an Os cutter. So absolutely phenomenal to see. So they're setting up the Empire to basically be uh, uh, huge as far as New Japan and 2021 goes. Uh, next match, Tamatanga, Tongaloa, Taiji Ishimori, El Fantasmo, otherwise known as the Bullet Club with Jado. Uh, defeats Tai Chi, Zack Sabre Jr., El Desperado, and Yoshinobu Kanamura. Uh, they had Doki in their corner. And the main event has a uh, 10-man tag. So Kazuchika Okada, Toriyano, Hiroki Goto, Tomohiro Ishii, and Yoshihashi defeats Jay White, Evil, Bad Luck Fale, Yujiro Takahashi, and Chase Owens uh, with Gato and Dick Togo. So obviously the, the, the second part of that was Bullet Club. First part of that was a mix. I think, no, it was all chaos. So chaos would have been... Uh, goes over in this one, but again, there was an uh, angle with regards to Jay White and basically not just being, oh, sorry, screwed up. That was the semi-main event. Main event. Okay, this makes more sense. Sonata, Tetsu, Naido, Shingo Takagi, Hiromi Takahashi, and Bushi, otherwise known as LAJ, defeats Kota Ibushi, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Rocky Romero, Sho, and Master Wado. Uh, so that was the main event there. That went 17 minutes in total. Um, but uh, again, uh, with regards to New Year's Dash, they set up a lot of angles. So with that show there, besides all the tag team matches and stuff like that, they usually set up who's going to go for what. I know Shingo has got his next opponent lined up. Um, I just forget who the heck it is. Just give me a sec. Uh, I'll while you're looking that up. Ooh, do you know I thought, no, I thought Jay White was going to actually walk out with the double championship. Um, I also think if they're not going to unify them, they need oh, to no separate them. So, yeah, so it's they're setting up Shingo uh, Takage, who's the never openweight champion right now, uh, setting him up to take on Hiroshi Tanahashi. Uh, so, that should be an interesting match there because you got Shingo, who is almost like a wrestling god right now, as far as New Japan Pro Wrestling goes, taking on the wrestling god. So, it'd be interesting to see where they go from there. And obviously, um, I mean, if to me as a New Japan Pro Wrestling fan, if Tanahashi lasts another three, four years, uh, consider himself lucky because he's got a lot of damage to those knees of his. So, um, but Sean, do you? Uh, let me ask you: Do you follow New Japan at all? I mean, I know you know some of the names, but is there anybody over there that uh, you're a big fan of? You're on mute now, there, champ. Hey, don't, don't ever forget this is the scumbags of wrestling so it's uh yeah. kind of like an anything goes show isn't it exactly right. scumbags of wrestling yeah where anything goes uh all opinions needed yeah insults are you're loved um so yeah i don't get the chance to see as much because there's so much on north america side uh but yeah i loved uh kenta uh so uh, and he was brought over to uh, NXT, loved it uh, at that point. So he's gone back and actually he's gotten better to where he was before, I think. Um, Ibushi, I, I like his uh, 
uh, matches and same with Okada. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'll tell you this: if there's one guy you want to watch as far as amazing matches go, Will Osprey. Um, he's almost like a Daniel Bryan as far as his wrestling knowledge goes, but he's got the skills of. Um, I'm trying to think, a high flyer in North America here, even close to Omega, like just the way he can fly in this and that. But um, uh, I mean, Kota Ibushi, obviously the, the years ahead of him. But uh, and, and Stephen, I'm going to say this now because I didn't say it before. Damn you for putting down Kushida. Uh, here's the thing. I love Kushida up until what they've done with him in NXT. I, I was really excited because at one point when they had the time splitters back together in NXT, I thought, oh, hell, this is going to be good. And then they made him this. But they're setting up right now for him to challenge Gargano for the NXT North American Championship. We'll see if they actually follow through. I'm not holding my breath that WWE knows what they're doing. Sometimes we got we, we got New, New Japan Kenny Omega happening again. So, I mean, yes, I'm still holding my breath to see if they'll screw this up. But we've also got Sean with working audio now. Yeah, well, that's that's a positive. Uh, I'm yes. really, I really wish. I would love to see the Gorillas of Destiny, um, over in North America. I don't think they get the um, praise that they deserve. Sean, you're going to hate this, but last summer, so I'm actually 2019 at this point, I left the WXW show midway through. Also missed Smash Wrestling, whatever they had going on that Friday night. Uh, to head down to the old Madame, sorry, the, the Madame Athletic Center, which was the old Maple Leaf Gardens. And I get to see... Which is that's literally, I can spit and hit it from my front door <laughs> of my condo. It's kitty corner to me. But long story short, main event for that night, I got to see ROH, and it was the Gorillas of Destiny putting the IWGP Tag Team Championships on the line against the uh, the Briscoes, and basically an anything goes match. And it's uh, one of the most phenomenal things I think I've ever seen live. And this was outside of uh, WWE, so. I mean, but yeah, I ditched Smash Wrestling and WXW to head down, and I'll, I'll never forget it. So, I expect when this is all over and people can travel, I expect to see ROH back up in Toronto pretty quick. And I, I'm going to call it if live wrestling can happen, we will see an AEW show in 2021 in Toronto. Well, you know what I miss is May. They used to have the World of Worlds tour. And that was always New, New Japan at ROH. So, I mean, well, we'll hopefully we'll be able to see that this year. And it's literally at the Magami Athletic Center, which I will, I could crawl there in three minutes. I shop at Old Maple Leaf Gardens at the Loblaws there. That's my grocery store. So, yeah, when, when that happens, you can come here. Literally, you can park underground at my condo. And yeah. So, I'm excited for hopefully live wrestling. I know you're going to have a big announcement on January 18th about what's coming with you and what's coming with all of us. So I'm excited. I have no idea what you're talking about, but uh, Sean, you uh, want to take over the show again? Well, January 18th is the uh, Canadian Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. I believe that's what he's talking about. Yeah. Okay. That sounds what? positive. Okay, yeah, so, no. you're supposed to be the positive one out of the two of us. Hey, 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 hold on, am I allowed to swear on this show? 
Yeah. I've cursed this war fucking all the time. Okay, so I'm fucking with you guys. Obviously, I know what January 18th is. Start doing more hype work for it today. So uh, uh, we'll leave it I'm at that now. But uh, the, the hype train is, is starting up tomorrow. I'll tell you that. Uh, you'll and have to message me some info. We'll just uh, let everybody know to uh, tune in on uh, January 18th for the 12th anniversary of uh, CWN and the Canadian Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. Um, you know what we should do? Hold on. Next next um, Thursday, we should do – I'm going to do 10 questions with Chris if you're free because it's the last time before January 18th before you go on your pro wrestling, Canadian Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. So are you free next Thursday? Because I want to quiz you about – I will. I will let you know. I have to – I should be, but I'll let you know. I'm just hijacking the show, Sean. It's fine. That's okay. But we are going to move on to the best of 2020. All the news is done. We've had a lot of banter. Now it's more banter, but talking about 2020. Get Let everybody get rehydrated. And I got a couple of videos to show some of the titles that changed hands over 2020. Which video was that, Sean? Actually, that video was the uh, re shocking returns video. I was looking uh, for the uh, one with uh, the other title changes. I see the one with the NXT one and the uh, oh, yeah, I see well, them all. But welcome to scumbags. Yeah, we just don't know what <laughs> we are live, and anything can happen. Uh, so just look. We will get to the other videos. I know where they are now. Um, anyways, looking at some of the categories, we got 10 to uh, go through. The three of us uh, submitted uh, some answers earlier today, and we're going to start off with, I guess, uh, the uh, moment of the year uh, sort of uh, memories, because some of the uh, answers to that are in that video that we just showed. So, Stephen, did you have one uh, to come to mind? I at did, all? because... Honestly, 2020 was kind of a blur, but if I had to pick one out of those, it would be Edge's return. Yep, for sure. Um, Chris Maloney, your uh, pick. Yeah, so it's hands down, it's Edge. I mean, just the, the way that um, 
the way that he came back and they gave him that uh, 90 seconds or whatever it was to basically like, holy shit, I'm back. And then next thing you know, he gets his entrance with the uh, the pyro going on and behind him. Yeah. Well, Hands even down. the picture that's up right now is that whole realization of him going, oh, my God, this is actually happening. Uh, if you saw the documentary on uh, uh, the network, he mentions this moment of, of the look on his face of reality. Yeah, so I mean, hands down, and especially as a Canadian, it's just, um, you were there, I mean, we were there beside each other, Sean, we were watching SummerSlam 19, and uh, the, the pop that he got at the uh, uh, Scotiabank Arena, you know, so, and to be imagined to be there at the Royal Rumble, to, to hear that kind of pop, and, and it's, yeah. Yeah, honestly, that was uh, my pick as well when I was uh, doing it, but I think my uh, honorable mention somewhat goes to Sting as almost a counter to the edge thing because when as you mentioned we saw edge at SummerSlam and the whole arena at scotia bank just totally lost their mind and then to see him just do a spear i think it was that night and that was it you know it was like wishful thinking and then to see it happen at the royal rumble uh, and then come out and then you got the other side with sting five years after he had to retire from an injury, he's showing up on AEW, the home of let's relive everything WCW. But what is there left for him to do? He's 61 years old, and cinematic matches might be okay, but who wants to see all that? And now he's just pointing a baseball bat or coming out with snow, and people are freaking out in Florida with snow. I don't get it. Uh, the moment of him arrival, great. But the payoff since has been kind of dead. At least we got matches with Randy Orton from uh, Edge. So, okay, let, let me ask you this. So, seeing Aaron Anderson ringside with Cody Rhodes, does that bother you? No, because that's a different role uh, in the regards. It's almost like a Bobby Heenan uh, sort of manager role. We haven't established that yet with Sting. He's just coming out and making it snow and pointing a baseball bat. If we knew a direction for him, then maybe. But they're just using nostalgia with uh, his appearances right now. So, yes or no, do you want to see him wrestle again? No. Steven? Who, Sting? No, because it's going to be, a, they've already said, he's going to have a cinematic match. And we've already seen what AEW do with these cinematic matches. And it's, calling it now, it's going to be something. It's going to be Darby Allen and Sting versus two people from Team Taz. And it's, I'm going to have to shit on it. And Sting, has, his neck is, he's 61. If they would have come up with Sting and made Sting the general manager, matchmaker, whatever you want to call it, authority figure, I could have lived with it, but I don't have a purpose. Like, I don't see a purpose for him in AEW right now. No, exactly. Do you? I, I, I got to say, I, I think for the first time on a podcast ever, we all actually agreed. Well, um, write this we're, down. We're, 
No, no, it, it's, I, I don't, I don't want to see him wrestle either, especially knowing his track record when he was in WWE and what happened with Seth Rollins, you know. And I, I picture, yeah, I don't want to see him wrestle. So I, I think all of us agree on that. But uh, I'm, I'm intrigued to see where they're going to go with this. But if it's back in the wrestling ring, if it's into uh, uh, what do you guys call it, a cinematic match, now forget about. It. I don't want to see that either. So. No, and that's why uh, even, I guess, Vince didn't want to see it because uh, he tried proposing that to Vince, and that was a no, and that's why he jumped ship and uh, left. Like, even if we got did get a cinematic match between Sting and Undertaker, who was going to win that? Really? Who, it would have who had do you tag uh, have lose? Sting would have lost because look what happened at WrestleMania with Triple H. I wouldn't have wanted to see that. I would have much rather seen that. If that was going to happen, it would have had to been when WCW closed. If they were going to do a cinematic match, it would have had to been Undertaker and Sting and, say, Kane versus Gallows. We'll just use it. Gallows, Anderson, and AJ Styles. But I don't want to see Sting. It's bad enough that we've seen him in WWE and they did what they did. I don't want to see 61-year-old Sting with a neck that who knows what, what will happen. So, yep. All right. Well, on that note, go Edge. <laughs> yeah. Moving on to uh, Feud of the Year. Uh, Steven, what was yours? I actually had Pat McAfee versus Adam Cole. Um, for someone who has never been in the wrestling world, really. Pat, Pat McAfee is the greatest heel of the year. You believed everything he said. He, Pat McAfee alone turned Undisputed Era from probably the greatest heel faction of NXT to now the faces of NXT. So I think Adam Cole, Pat McAfee, they've done the uh, living it up on the... Uh, on his podcast, it it just played out perfectly. I think that feud of the year for sure goes to Pat McAfee versus Adam Cole. Yeah, for myself, I picked uh, Seth Rollins against Kevin Owens, just the way that started off at the beginning of the year. And uh, Owens got his somewhat WrestleMania moment, jumping off the uh, sign at the uh, Performance Center. So that was uh, for me. Thankfully, it was not uh, Seth and Rey Mysterio, but uh, that was my pick. And uh, Chris, what was yours? So it, it's interesting when when you when you talked about this, I went kind of the other way because I was like, "Well, you're talking feuds. AEW versus NXT had to be mine because the fact is, when you think about it, you think of all of the hoopla that has gone on between AEW and NXT. I mean, Steven, you and I have bantered on podcasts about AEW and, and in the very beginning, all the way through all the internet talk, uh, you know, with regards to uh, uh, should NXT move to Tuesdays? And yet here we are. And Sean, you did the news beforehand. And Steven, you were reading out the, the ratings and NXT didn't lose by much this week. You know what I mean? And you had two strong main events, but you had a more solid kind of uh, grounded main event with Finn Balor and uh, Kyle O'Reilly versus two guys that can just fly in Kenny Omega as well as uh, Phoenix. And that's the way it should be. So without the tribute shows, without them calling you know names down 52 weeks a year, 
the fact is AEW versus NXT to me meant something in, in 2020. And uh, you know, if this is the way they were, they're going to be in 2021, like I, I see them blowing it through the roof. Yeah, just need to get people uh, more on, uh, on board with noticing them. Uh, still, some people think AEW uh, wrestlers are WD wrestlers, or uh, you, people saw Chris Jericho looking old after uh, the basketball game, and we're calling uh, AEW a bootleg show. They were calling them everything but an actual legit uh, brand. And then uh, if you get NXT getting hot again, uh, with Triple H able to uh, man that, you know, the back and forth could be really good. Steven? I hope that AEW's got their the horse shit out of the way. Um, I would like to see them both do well, but I'm just hoping AEW gets out of their own way and let actually think ahead and not rush storylines and actually, but not drag storylines out for years that you already know what's going to happen. So uh, I'm excited to see what 2021 brings for these two, but we'll see. Before our next set of videos, which were going to be the championship ones, I'm going to do one more category, which is most improved. And Chris Maloney, you picked... Yeah, straight up, these guys. So, I mean, obviously, rest in peace, uh, Brody Lee, John Huber. Uh, but the fact is, when you think about when the Dark Order arrived and it was all about Evil Uno and Stu Grayson and they were getting crapped on by the fans and I think it was that one symbolic uh, close out of the show of them beating down on the Young Bucks and then basically them having all the creepers around them and this and that. And it it's, hits close to home for me because the SSB, right? And you guys as well. They're always going to be the Super Smash Brothers. Um, the fact is to see them, how they were recreated when Brody Lee came in to be in part of being the elite as far as the YouTube series goes, to see in the, uh, the show that was um, given on, you know, on behalf of Brody Lee and his family, to see where they're going to go from here. They're more established now. You can look at somebody like an Anna J. And, and see how much she's improved. You know, you can look at the uh, the SSB and know there's still the SSB just heightened up. You add somebody like Cole Cabana to it. You got John Reynolds and uh, Alex Silver. Uh, you've got uh, 10. Did I mix up their names? Yeah, you did. Alex Silver and John Reynolds. I, I did it again, didn't I? Yeah, you did. Silver and Reynolds there. <laughs> Anyways, long story short, to know how they started, to where they're at now, uh, to know and to kind of wonder where they're going to go without Brody Lee. Are we going to see a new leader? You know what I mean? Um, the fact is, to, to me, I would never would have thought I would have said this time last year or, you know, come last summer, whatever the case may be, that I'd be a fan of the Dark Order. But it just everything added up, everything aligned. And when you take, like I said, being the elite and Cole Cabana and all those little aspects to it, it's like, yeah, it's uh, definitely most improved from the, from when they came in. My pick is uh, actually, surprisingly, M MJF. Um, just th the way his year went, I made it into the inner circle. Uh, as much as we hated Dinner Debonair, uh, he was pretty much the star of it. Uh, Jericho's uh, singing voice is not meant for that sort of uh, satire. Uh, and just 
yeah, he did a, a really good job. Yeah, he's wormed his way into the inner circle. We see uh, where it's going to lead, uh, where they're going to turn against Chris Jericho because he's endeared himself to the other guys. But from going with a mid-card with a lot of potential character to probably going to be a main eventer in two, uh, 2021 with the inner circle uh, around him, he's a, a big improvement uh, for me. And Steven? I actually went Jungle Boy. From the first time we saw him in 2020 to the end of 2020, he's come leaps and bounds. He went from someone who I thought could have a lot of potential, but I just don't know, to the end of it and I end of the year, and I see future world champion. He has made leaps and bounds in his promos, in his in-ring work. I would still like to see him maybe put a little bit more weight on. But, I mean, from the time where he started to, to the end of the year, world of difference. He actually looks like a future world champion. He's going to have to change the name because I don't ever see headlining a major show Jungle Boy versus someone. But if it was Jungle Boy Jack Perry or something, we can that you can start playing with it. But I actually see big things in 2021 for Jungle Boy. Um, I think two out of the three of us got this right. Someone named Sean got it wrong. Because I actually <laughs> I think-, think MJF took a step back in 2020. Oh, by being part of the inner circle? And doing just the, the whole year. Dinner. He just wasn't used. If you look at him in MLW, where he was wrestling almost every week, and him shooting, and literally probably the best promo in the game, to now he barely gets any promo time, and he barely wrestles, I just I think it's a step back for him, yeah. personally. But I think... It comes down to them just not knowing. I don't think they know what they have in MJF. Because I think. Sorry. Did you were you guys at the Smash vs CZW at London Music Hall when MJF yeah, was it there? Was, it was my Sean wasn't. I, I something to, I forget what the reasoning was, but I was there. My, my wife's only independent uh, wrestling show she's ever been to, and she got to see MJF and Cody Diener go at it, which was. Uh, yeah phenomenal you know but uh back th- it, it's funny because back then i didn't know who the hell this guy was this guy comes into the ring he's wearing this scarf and i'm like okay well, who is this jerk who is this jackass you know what i mean and there's two guys i've seen in smash wrestling that i honest to god hate myself for not getting pictures with hate myself for not getting autographs with and i was still new to these guys but one of them was mjf if I go back in time, I'd be all over this guy. I'd be like, hey, sign this, sign this, picture this, picture that. You know what I mean? And the other guy was Jay White when he fought Tyson Dukes at one of the Smash shows here in London. But uh, um, I, I, you know what? I, I got to agree. I, I don't know. I'm somewhere in the middle between you guys. I don't think MJF's taking a step back. I do agree that uh, AEW doesn't know how to use him properly at this point. But the same way could have been said about Chris Jericho back in WCW. You know what I mean? It's uh, old Steve Austin back in WCW. So I know you guys don't watch MLW, but if you watch MLW um, when MJF was uh, leading the faction um, Dynasty, yeah, 
with Hammerstone and um, Richard Holiday. Yeah, that that's how they should be using MJF, a smarmy, smarmy heel that thinks he's better than everyone, and let him talk, let him go out there and wrestle because he's actually a hell of a wrestler. And oh, I'm like you, Chris. I never heard of MJF before that show. Gifted promo. But the fact is, right now, and I hate using this term, but right now I think he's pigeonholed. I think with, with what's going on with Inner Circle and Jericho, I think he's pigeonholed. Oh, and he is. And until, I... until that plays out the way it's supposed to, we're not going to see the true MJF. It's like yeah. it's like we've had this conversation, the same conversation about Kenny Omega. You know what I mean? And until they let Kenny Omega be Kenny Omega, it's – anyways, we can go on for hours. But uh, I'm, I'm in the middle as far as the MJF thing goes. Yeah, I think eventually if they figure out what they want to do, your top four future stars of AEW are going to be in no particular order, Jungle Boy, MJF, Darby Allen, and Ricky Starks. And Sammy. You forgot about Sammy. Oh, yeah. I brought with Sammy Guevara over Ricky Starks. Hold on, hold on. on. What what did you say? He's gotten lost in the shuffle. When was the last time he wrestled? All right, so so that see you got you guys the same thing, two different names. Just flip your opinions. Yeah, I'm in the middle of Sammy too. I, it's the same sort of thing. The inner circle's freaking wrecking everybody. It's I think it's and honestly it's, 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 it's this join the dark order. There we go. <laughs> you really messed things up. Okay, we'll be right back.
You know why? It's because Steven's on the show. So <laughs> as, 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 that thing, as that promo was playing, Sean sends us a private message. He goes, it, it cut the ALW title changes. That's it's a Steven jinx right there. Yeah. Uh, but if you want to see this, all these videos, they are going to be available on our uh, Facebook page. I ended up uh, compiling uh, all the title changes that happened throughout the year. Um, carrying on with our uh, list of best of 2020 and its character of the year. Uh, so it could be anybody, anything along the way. Uh, for myself, I picked Alexa Bliss with her change from being just Little Miss Bliss, uh, teaming with uh, Nikki Cross and just doing her normal thing being possessed or whatever it is that her Harley Quinn to uh, the fiend is really uh, doing well for her. She's got this little kid uh, act going on her, her new uh, sort of set with the swing set uh, for a moment of bliss or Bliss's playground, whatever they want to call it has been really good. Just kind of weird that uh, this past Monday, they didn't really address anything. Well, after she poured her uh, gas all over herself the week before and Randy didn't uh, set her on fire and she doesn't even appear on the next Monday's Raw. I don't get it, but I think they dropped the ball definitely on that. But uh, Alexa Bliss's switch in character I am enjoying. Um, Steven, did you have anything for this one? Yes, I went with who you didn't know who they were. I went with Contra Unit. Uh, I don't know if Chris, you watch MLW. Oh, that's right. Uh, I don't watch it as much as I want to, but I'm uh, very familiar with who's uh, part of it. I think these guys are the epitome of what a heel group should be. You have Jacob Tattoo, the MLW World Heavyweight Champion, who's a 300 pound Samoan who looks like a crazy man who can do moonsaults and you name it. You have uh, Simon Gotch. Obviously, XWWE, um, great technical MMA background. Then you have Joseph Semiel, who looks like the crazy sheik because that his old character uh, in the Independence was actually the Almighty Sheik. Uh, Davari just joined the group. They have Mads Mads Kruger, this big, tall, not a great wrestler, but he kind of is like the he's, they call him the Black Hand. He's the mercenary. Uh, the group itself is what you would think a good heel faction should be. Kind Especially of what, right uh, now. I was going to say kind of what retribution should be. Yes. And the, yeah, exactly. And they're, cause they're in the middle of taking over MLW. So it's exactly what retribution should be, not what they are. So that's my character's. If you don't watch MLW, look up Contra Unit. Look up if you've never seen uh, Jacob Fatu wrestle. Just watch one of his matches. Watch him jump from the uh, mat to the top rope and then do a moonsault. And he's 300 and something pounds. And he looks like a, he should be the next big superstar in pro wrestling. If AEW or um, WWE can ever get him out of MLW. You have a million dollar wrestler right there. He's like a Bam Bam Bigelow and uh, Umaga all in one, uh, gifted with uh, uh, personality. Well. 
Yeah. It'd be nice if they put him, uh, were able to get him for WD and put him with uh, Roman and build up uh, more with that dynasty. Chris, your pick. Well, you guys crapped all over it, but uh, it was interesting. I was I was going and I was looking at characters, and I was like, immediately you think of the fiend, but this lady scares the freaking hell out of me. The first time I ever saw the gimmick, I mean, it's right back to where Marilyn Marilyn Manson was back in the nineties. But when you look at her outside of her makeup, she looks like a normal girl. But you see her in the ring all the way through to last night against uh, Hikaru Shida. You see the gimmick. You see everything she does to promote herself to live that gimmick. It's to me, it's straight up. She's the 2020 version, female version of uh, of Sue Young. I would say. Even I would no. say. Even okay, well, piss on you. Uh, even right down to the way the Undertaker lived the gimmick. You know what I mean? Uh, but the fact is, Abaddon. I think I don't know how old she is. I want to say mid twenties. But I think she's got a huge future ahead of her. Um, maybe not AEW, but the fact is, whoever picks her up, she's got such a unique gimmick. I can see her going a long way. Oh, uh, it's a unique gimmick. I just, I don't know. It's got to be. I think it's got to be a little more substance to it. There's something missing in it right now, and I just don't know if it's someone like a James Mitchell or so, like a manager who could be the voice for her. But you don't want it too much to like Sue Young at the same time. No, but I'm thinking someone who could be the the person to unleash her. Think yeah. think back when TNA came out and. James Mitchell was Abyss's mouthpiece who would send up. She needs someone like that. I'm not saying James Mitchell, but someone who could unleash her on the women's division. Yeah, we'll say I, I, I'm forgetting the name of the, the gimmick right now, but it's like when they put Abyss with uh, Rosemary and Crazy Steve in Impact Wrestling and created that yeah. group. And the three the of them. Menagerie or something? Yeah. Three of them played off of each other. Rosemary yes. had a second career, you know what I mean? So I agree with you that way. But I was thinking about this last night for whatever stupid reason. Kenny Omega, as gifted as he is as a wrestler, as a booker, as somebody who's in charge of the women's division, forget about it. I mean, you shouldn't yeah. Be. yeah. I mean, it's like Wayne Gretzky playing hockey and the Wayne Gretzky trying to coach. It just It's two separate things, you know? So I agree with you about that. As far as Abaddon goes, put it with a gimmick, put it with a manager, even have Matt Hardy become that manager, you know, to step back and, and be a manager role. I think something like that would be cool. Well, you could have had the perfect person. I think they already have on the roster, Vicky Guerrero. Yeah, potentially, think about but... it. She's the hateful, spiteful person who's sending the crazy Abaddon after the people who have crossed her. Yeah. But to me, she's, she fits well with Nyla Rose. She doesn't, I can't really see I'm her. saying someone like that would be who I would – like, I wouldn't necessarily – she doesn't necessarily need a – I don't know. There's just – there's got to be someone out there that would fit that role. Yeah, we'll have to see what uh, 2021 brings, especially after last night's loss to uh, uh, Sheeta. Promo of the year, Steven. I'm actually going Pat McAfee when he retires the Undisputed Era. That, to me, solidified what a heel should be. 
and it brought me back to the early 90s, well, late 90s, early 2000s, that heel that you just want to reach the TV screen and slap him because he was arrogant and disrespectful and you're you're just screaming at the TV. No, that's not like it. That Pat McAfee is amazing promo. So I'm definitely going with Pat McAfee retiring the Undisputed Era. Yeah, and even CM Punk put him over as the best uh, heel and promo uh, going right now in wrestling. And that's pretty uh, sad considering he comes from the football uh, world. My pick, along with uh, Chris's pick, I believe, is Eddie Kingston and John Moxley in their, uh, I believe it was November 4th, uh, promo leading into the uh, pay-per-view the, the next Saturday. And Eddie Kingston, I'm not really a fan of, but the guy talked himself into a job, talked himself into a main event. And, yeah, just that one line of, I'm going to take this title from you and show my mom why she doesn't have any grandkids. That's the most truth, I guess, that anybody can really say. Uh, you want to add on to that one, Chris? Yeah, so you're right about the November 4, 2020 AEW Dynamite. It was right ahead of full gear. Um, I watched the promo again today. Seven minutes, absolutely phenomenal between the two of these guys. Um, Eddie Kingston was number 10 on Sports Illustrated Top 10 of the Year. That tells you something. Here's a guy who came in, had the AEW tryout, so to speak. And the next thing you know, he's in a main event against John Moxley for the AEW Championship on pay-per-view, so to speak. Um, when it comes down to that promo and that picture that you had shown, Eddie Kingston was not allowed to touch Moxley. So Moxley could get up there in his face, they can get as close as they possibly could, but they weren't allowed to physically go at it. And so when they started cutting promos about, uh, you know, spending time at uh, uh, Kingston's mom's house and saying grace together and taking care of her and Kingston being like, you know what? He's like, this championship is why my mom doesn't have grandkids. This championship is why my mom doesn't have a, a, a you know, a, a wife and not a wife in law, a daughter in law. Uh, but it, it hit home. And to me, Eddie Kingston, um, I had seen him. I think at the progress show that took place in Toronto in 2019, and I didn't think too much of him. And all of a sudden now he goes into this, this promo with, uh, with Mox and I had to see that match. It was that, it was that powerful. So seven minutes, but uh, check it out on YouTube guys. Yeah. Uh, definitely somebody who surprised me this year coming out from basically nowhere or NWA and no, no, before that, go back and watch him in ROH. This is this is why. Oh, I know he's had a long career, but oh, if you watch him in ROH, um, you'll just be. This is nothing. He's actually way better in ROH. He was also, if you guys remember, uh, part of uh, LAX, uh, the whole thing with Conan and, and Impact Wrestling as well. Yeah. Yeah. Steven with a yeah. <laughs> well, before we get into the events and match of the year, uh, one more video.
those are some of the big matches that happen in New Japan, NXT, AEW, SmackDown, Raw, uh, Impact. And so we take over to the event of the year. Um, for myself, I had picked the Royal Rumble. Just uh, where it started off uh, the year, uh, the stadium, you had the big pop with Edge returning. Uh even Drew McIntyre finally uh, reaching that goal and uh, winning the Royal Rumble. It just seemed like a really good night. And to know that that was one of the last major pay-per-views uh, to happen, especially in front of a crowd before all hell broke loose with COVID, uh, that's uh, definitely my pick uh, for event of the year, just because it still had that atmosphere that all the other ones did not have. Uh, you two both agreed on your uh, event of the year. We talked about it at the top of the show, but you guys want to put anything else uh, on to In Memory of John Huber, the Brody Lee uh, tribute show? Honestly, they, they couldn't have done a better job as far as the show goes. Um, and it's like the last thing you see of 2020. But, I mean, you started with the Royal Rumble, obviously. I mean, and then all of a sudden COVID takes place and everything else. There were good events in between. Like we just mentioned, Full Gear uh, featured Moxley and uh, and uh, Kingston. But the fact is that also had the Young Bucks and FTR on that show as well. Uh, any of the New Japan stuff, Wrestle Kingdom from uh, 2000, you know, Wrestle Kingdom 14, for example, uh, had good matches as well, and that was pre-COVID. So guys like Jericho, uh, guys like Moxley could travel back and forth. So you're seeing some of these guys over there. Uh, but to me, the uh, the uh, Brody Lee special, yeah, it just, I, you just can't compare to it. Steven? Yeah, I mean, I also had uh, NXT TakeOver War Games as one of the ones I actually really enjoyed the whole event. Um but the Brody Lee tribute show, way to pull on the heartstrings to end 2020. Exactly. It was just, you just, even, I mean, 2020, there's been a lot that matches and shows have gone on, but it seems like a blur. Like I, we went, I know me and Sean went to a show in here in Toronto for Smash. Don't ask me when it was. I know it was before COVID. And it was for sometime between January and COVID, but I couldn't tell you. Yeah, I think it was uh, February that we ended up seeing that. And March was supposed to be lined up with a whole bunch of shows uh, with Smash. And, yeah, uh, it, was between, it was between January and COVID. That's all I can tell you. Yeah. Okay, so match of the year, Chris Maloney. So it was a toss-up. So it was um, uh, the match between Hangman Page, Kenny Omega, and the Young Bucks. Uh, but this here was my match of the year. And, and Sean, on one of my shows, we had actually did the recap show uh, together. And uh, if I had more time and had booted you off, I probably would have talked about that match for a good 30 minutes. <laughs> but um, to me, it had all the hype in the world going into it because of the fact Kyle O'Reilly, tag team specialist, going into basically a title picture where Adam Cole is no longer part of it. And all of a sudden they made me believe that Kyle O'Reilly had a chance and going in against Finn Balor at that, um, obviously carrying cross, you know, he gets injured, has to relinquish the title. Finn Balor puts it up and it's the two of these guys. Was it no, hold on. Was it Finn Balor who put it up or was the title on the line? Because 
this was the sudden death thing. Was that the the takeover thirty one? Yeah, it was takeover thirty one. So so it, the title hadn't been handed to either yeah. one of these guys at that point. Yeah, I don't think so. Well, no, uh, Balor was the champion. So he was that. champ. See, see, that's me getting my timelines mixed up. Regardless of the case, though, both of these guys injured post-match. Uh, Balor, basically, his jaw had to be basically wired shut for a couple of days, had to be realigned, everything else. O'Reilly, he was banged up as well. But two pure athletes, hard-hitting guys. And, and guys, you can just go back and watch NXT last night and watch them go at it again. But the fact is, yeah, just old-school wrestling uh, with guys who are very well-trained, very well-gifted, uh, going into the ring and basically battling it for a championship. So, yeah, definitely my match of the year right there. Yeah, Stephen, did you have a match? I know you said just a moment ago that the year was kind of a blur. Uh, so it was I mean, it would definitely be the Kyle Riley Finn Balor. But there's there was nothing that when when I got this that stood out in my mind when I was going through these to be like, some were instant. Like, I knew exactly who, why, but there was with COVID, it was tough to basically from COVID on, there was nothing that that I could remember that stood out that much. And honestly, from January to pre-COVID, it was such a blur that I mean I there was nothing that stood out head and a head and head and shoulders above it. It would definitely be the Kyle Riley Finn Balor match. But I mean that's it's it's been a blur, so it's tough to Understand. remember. Yeah, I had a toss up between uh, two matches. Uh, I'm going with the Boneyard match with uh, Taker and uh, AJ Styles uh, to know all the backstory with that and uh, see how that unfolded. And probably the best thing that they could have done under the circumstances and with Taker's age. Excuse me, just for a second. <coughs> Sorry. Uh, just with the uh, whole setup and being able to pull that off, really good. Set up the uh, cinematic matches going forward. But if I was going to pick one that was not cinematic, I have to go with the Intercontinental title uh, match with uh, Sami Zayn, who some people thought was going to get buried and never get the title back. Uh, somebody could be on this panel. Piss uh, off, dude. <laughs> Yeah, just the way that one worked out, and we saw uh, Sammy get really creative with the handcuffs uh, through Jeff's ear, handcuffing uh, AJ and claiming it. It was awesome. So that was my actual pick for this year. Now, before we get to the uh, last three categories, tag team, male and female, last video. <laughs>
So a lot of people to uh, think about for contending there. Uh, we're going to go with tag teams. And Steven, your pick? The greatest tag team out and around right now, FTR. Uh, this is what I would say tag team wrestling should be. Um, I know who you guys picked, and they would have been number two in my book. Um, I would love to see these two teams actually face off. But FTR, just from where they started at the start of 2020, where when WWE wasn't using them and then was going to put them in some clowny gimmick to where they are now in um, or AEW, they're, they're, they're what tag team wrestling should be. They are just natural. It looks like they've been doing this for 50 years together. They actually remind me a lot of 80s tag teams, Rock and Roll Express, Midnight Express, that, they remind me of the Midnight Express, but any '80s tag team, it's it's them. That's why they get compared a lot to the Brainbusters, Tully and Earn. Oh yeah, the Brainbusters. Very close to them, of course. Getting having Tully as their uh, manager. Um, I agreed with uh, Chris on our pick uh, for tag team. So Chris, you want to uh, say who it is? So these guys right here, the North, Ethan Page, as well as Josh Alexander, were the, uh, well, I shouldn't say were, but became the longest rating champions in Impact Wrestling history. Uh, that is uh, every championship that Impact Wrestling has. Uh, they also won their second titles in 2020. So um, it's kind of tough because it's, uh, I think, the end of an era for them as far as Impact Wrestling goes. I know they've got a gimmick, gimmick match coming up on Saturday with Ethan Page and Karate Man or something like that, but to me when i was looking in you know as far as tag teams go obviously omega and hangman were up there uh ftr of course was up there as well the bucks but the fact is when it comes down to it to me the north defined the tag team wrestling in 2020 the gimmicks uh the promos the matches uh the match against the motor city machine guns where they lost the titles i marked out for because you have two of the greatest tag teams impact wrestling has ever seen but uh yeah like hands down for me it'd be the north yeah, I agreed as said, uh, introducing that uh, with the North because of how long their titles were. Um, of course, they're two Canadian guys. And uh, yeah, if you were going to compare anybody else to them, they're like FTR as well. They're the Canadian version in a way. And you could, just their technical skills and the way they present themselves is legit uh, team on the line of FTR. That's why I picked them. Plus, they had the long uh, title reign. Well, and it's the other thing too, right? It's the chemistry. Like Stephen mentions, '80s tag teams. The one thing you you know about '80s tag teams was the chemistry, and the North has that. FTR has that. It kind of saddens me that we're never. I, I I can't say never, but I don't think we're going to see that match between, especially now with Impact Wrestling and AEW doing what they're doing. That'd be like a dream match right there, FTR versus the North. But I don't think it's going to. I don't think we we're going to see it happen. We'll see where Ethan Page. Because his contract's up, so it'll be interesting to see where he signs. Because I think Josh Alexander's contract's up shortly, too. Josh's so, is up at the end of the year. So he's got, a full, was, he's got a full other year to go. I thought it was sooner than that. 
I will have the information the next show that we're on together. But I, I want to make mention of this because I know we got two categories left. 380 days. 380 days was how long the North were champions. So keep that number in mind because it's going to play into the next two uh, the next two categories as well. Yep, uh, and that brings us to the uh, female of the year. Steven, you have... Oh, for me, Iro Shirai. I absolutely love Bailey. I love Sasha Banks, but Iro Shirai, I don't even know off the top of my head. She's been NXT World Women's Champion for, what, two years, it seems like, or longer? And she's got the athleticism, the talent, the in-ring skill. Um, a little surprised she's never hasn't been moved up to the main roster, but I'm also excited that she hasn't been because I'm afraid that she'd get lost in the shuffle. She has put the women's NXT women's division on her back and carried it this whole time uh, when women wrestlers would come in and move up to the main roster. She's been steadfast. She's had matches with Rhea Ripley, Rhea Ripley and um, Charlotte Flair. You name it, she's wrestled them. So it's, to me, it's Io Shirai. Yeah, for me, I'm picking Sasha Banks. She had that uh, whole time being uh, the lackey in a way of Bailey and helping her keep her uh, championship. They won the... Uh, uh, tag team titles together. The, uh, she won the uh, Raw Women's title from Asuka, lost it back to Asuka, ended up uh, losing the tag titles, but then finally got revenge on Bailey when she turned on her. And one of the best matches of the year was uh, the Hell in a Cell match that they had against each other. And she got the belt, plus broke the curse of not being able to defend any titles. Because up until winning the SmackDown uh, championship that she's holding to uh, today, since the uh, Hell in a Cell match with Bailey, she would lose it on her first title defense, and that hasn't happened. She's defended a couple times against Bailey, a couple times against Carmella, and uh, yeah, still holding strong. And she's somewhat breaking out, even though her character ideally should be a heel. And I was surprised that they made her the baby face when Bailey and her split up. I have to go with uh, Sasha just because of the story that uh, was built throughout the year. On the other side of things, Chris? So I'm going to say this. I'm going to say Sean made his pick before the uh, uh, Sports Illustrated thing came out today, by the way, uh, just for the record. Um, do you guys remember that number that I just mentioned, that 380 or something like that by the North? Well, female of the year is Bailey, simply because of that that same number, that 380 days as champ. Here's somebody who was the weakest link as far as the NXT women went. Um, you know, Sasha Banks had it. Charlotte Flair had it. Becky Lynch had it. They discovered their personalities. They won over the crowds, whether it's as heels or faces. Bailey was left in the dark. Hug life she couldn't get over. So all of a sudden she comes out with this Karen look, with the new attitude, the new, new hairstyle. She makes it work and she makes it believable to the point that as champion, I never want to see her lose it. Uh, that match against Sasha Banks, Hell in a Cell, yeah, for sure. But the fact is, Bailey made me a believer, so to speak. So uh, it's hard to put past as well. Like I said, 380 days as champ. So uh, yeah, Bailey all the way. 
Yeah, it's for me. It's a one A one B sort of situation. I they thought of Bailey taking the axe to the uh, lappy wavy inflatable guys and coming out the way she had and being a dirty heel was awesome. But as I said, the story for Sasha was what put it over the top for me. Moving to the male uh, superstar of the year, Steven, your pick. I went with someone who throughout the whole year had outstanding matches who to me is probably one of the best wrestlers in the world to Adam Cole. He from a heel to a face, anything he's did this year has been gold. He, I think I just, he's, he's what a pro wrestler should be to me. He's, can do some of the flippy stuff, but he also has the technical ability. So to me, it's Adam Cole. Okay. And for me, it's Roman Reigns. So I got a picture of him somewhere in there. Um, it's hard to really pick Roman in a way I almost didn't, but the way his year started it was good. He was on a collision course with Goldberg, and then COVID hit, and we know his health issues, and he had to go away. But when he came back, he became a badass heel, and this head-of-the-table Samoan dynasty thing that they're building up for him has been really good. His uh, matches with uh, his cousin Jey Uso, his matches lately with uh, Kevin Owens, that's why I put it over the top. He... Heyman is not a manager. He, in the same uh, regards as he's been with Lesnar, uh, he's more now a lackey to uh, Roman, and he ha uh, Heyman has that uh, history with uh, the Samoan family. And Chris? So was there ever any doubt, realistically, for anybody that knew my opinion of wrestling in 2019 and then all of a sudden 2020 and then basically to see where this guy has gone you want to talk about badass heels this is where this guy is going um anybody who's ever listened to anything i've had to say about this guy knows i love kenny omega knows i love new, <laughs> new japan for wrestling but the fact is when it comes down to it uh omega has lasted the year um, he's also won the AEW championship in 2020. He won the AEW world tag team championship in 2020 on Jericho. We're not talking about Kenny Omega from December on. It's the whole year. I know you're confused. Yeah, so January he wins the AEW tag team championship. December he wins the AEW world championship. There is a reason why I'm wearing this Bullet Club Kenny Omega shirt because that is the direction. Sorry, what? Because you're drunk. <laughs> that was a non-alcoholic energy drink, by the way. But uh, fact is, when it comes down to it, what's Sean got drinking there? Well, Sean's got, got that. You got that blueberry stuff. Mike's hard. Is it is the blueberry one? Blue I didn't realize it. Yeah, those things. Yeah. Anyways, um, I love the fact I'm talking about Omega and he doesn't drink at all. But uh, fact is, when it comes down to it, yeah, it's uh, Kenny Omega all the way. Um, I mean, there's other guys too. I mean, Adam Cole, one of the most gifted, underrated wrestlers in the world. Um, obviously, I, do, I never want to see him up on the main roster. 
I think it'd be absolutely entertaining to see him in AEW. Can you imagine the 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 um, uh, you know the events, the matches between Adam Cole and Kenny Omega in AEW? They could still play on that Bullet Club thing. So and negative one just beat him on New Year's Day. Yeah, we won't talk about that. <laughs> Uh, so, guys, thank you very much for this extended version of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. Not only a hour of news, but an hour of year in review. But, you know, you can't uh, really half-ass things like that. Uh, so, anything you guys want to plug before we show our last video of In Remembrance and get out of here? Props to Sean for fixing his audio. Yeah, that was kind of nice. Uh, <laughs> that, that, I'm good. That, that, that is my my highlight of the year right there so far. Sean fixing his audio. So we're we're doing this show 2021. That's that's number one. We're gonna have Sean's audio moment of the year right there. Wonderful. So anything <laughs> you want to plug there, Chris? Um well you can see my name down below. CWN obviously. So CWNonline.ca. Uh, I'll be doing my podcast tomorrow, as well as January 18th is the Canadian Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame presented by CWN episode. Uh, details, uh, cpwhof.ca. Uh, you'll be able to find them on Facebook and stuff. But major, oh, Sean's even got the graphic. Uh, major announcements coming up tomorrow on CWN Weekly episode 21, as well as the website and as well as social media. So stay tuned Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And January 18th is going to be a big day. And we've got eight categories that have been voted on. Ninth category is a special surprise. And uh, Sean, you know who it is, obviously. And uh, Stephen, yeah. I'm not sure if you've been told, but uh, um, maybe we'll give, give Stephen a heads up when we're off air here. But uh, January 18th, guys, live on Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube. And pretty much the same amount of time. I think we're going 7 till 9 that night. So it'll be a Monday night show, but uh, looking forward to it. Awesome. Uh, Stephen, uh, you want to plug our uh, other show that we do and what we did oh, yeah. uh, last week and doing do this week? Yeah, uh, Fantasy Warfare. Uh, it drops Wednesdays, I think, still at six o'clock. Um, we took off basically the month of December or November, December, just a lot of COVID and personal and holidays. Um, but it was fun to get back into it this week. Uh, we're currently doing the greatest mid card um champion uh it's and we just did nwa wcw us title this week coming up is wwf so that's up to when they bought wcw i think or is yeah, it the, the intercontinental title so from pat yeah. patterson until about edge ish when they became wwe yeah oh yeah when the name changed from wwf to wwe and then we have WWE US champion and then WWE Intercontinental champion. So those are coming up. Um, it's, it was fun getting back into it. Um, we had uh, some fun little glitches that day as well. But you know, it's uh, we're getting back into the stride of this. Yeah, so uh, definitely do that. Um, and also, Jonesy and I are doing. Uh, this week in history, uh, still trying to find pinpoint a time and date that those are actually going to come out. Uh, it came out today, Thursday at uh, noon, so it was before our show because um, we do it a week at a time. So uh, this past uh, week was January first to the seventh. So you have uh, different birthdays, including Jr. 
uh, Kimberly Page, Bobby Roode, uh, Chris Jones's favorite or uh, Orville uh, Brown was uh, mentioned about uh, the NWA uh, championship. So there's a lot of things, uh, different events going on. New Year's Revolution. Uh, if you're into uh, history of wrestling, uh, definitely check this out, and uh, it's available like our other shows on uh, YouTube, Facebook, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, everywhere you get your podcasts from. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next Thursday at 8 o'clock, our regular time, uh, to run down the news and events of the week. So thank you guys. Have a great week. And we're going to close with a video in memory of fallen wrestlers. <laughs>